back again for the second time this offseason. What's up, everyone? My name is Lester A. Wolfong Jr. I am the editor-in-chief at Windy City Gridiron. I want to welcome you guys to my show. This is T-Formation Conversation, and we are coming to you guys on the Windy City Gridiron Podcast channel, where you're usually listening to one of our other fantastic shows, but but I'm going to try and make it a point this year to get back in the saddle and record a little bit more often for the uh, Bears 2021 season. Uh, so make sure you guys subscribe. That way you'll never miss anything we do. So, so as you guys know, the Bears are reporting to Hallis Hall this week for training camp. Uh, first practice is going to get kicked off Thursday, July 29th. So I wanted to jump on the mic, give a little camp preview, uh, recap some of the recent moves the Bears made, and, and basically lay the foundation for some of the stuff we'll be talking about and writing about at WCG in the weeks to come. And to do that, I'm bringing on a special guest this week. But, but honestly, guys, he's more like family because you guys can hear him right here on the WCG podcast channel as the host of Bear With Me, uh, which actually also doubles as our post-game show during the season. Uh, he has a second show on our channel as he is one-third of the Rule of Three podcast, uh, which is our, our show that kind of skews uh, a bit more towards some of the X's and O's that, from the Bears. But you can also find him doing incredibly entertaining videos on his Run Pass Opinion YouTube channel. And he's dropping knowledge on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. So here is the man himself, Robert K. Schmitz. What's up, man? What an extremely long intro. But yes, that's <laughs> right, Lester. You're helping me with my ultimate evil goal of taking over every Windy City Gridiron podcast and talking about the Bears nonstop. Honestly, it's always fun getting on T-Formation. T-Formation, even back when you were with V-Sporto, was the show that I know <laughs> I was listening in like late college. I still remember... And I know you obviously proved me right on this driving home from work. One of my first days, uh, like at work when I turned, gosh, it was like 22 and now I'm 26. Uh, oh. you listening to you talk about how, uh, you know, I, I really think the bears ought to go with Deshaun Watson here at the top of the draft. And, and you ended up right. Kind of. I mean, I sort guess of. now that I, every time I say Watson's name now, I have to recheck myself given where <laughs> things stand, but at that point, we're getting a little too sidetracked. I can't wait. We've got Bears training camp. We've got a new quarterback room. Tons to talk about. You know, is this the first time you've actually done my, my show officially? I know we did a, a big tri-branded roundtable at Bourbon a, a few years back with Bears Over Beers. Uh, but I think this may be your first time as a solo on my show. I know I've done your show several times, but I think is this your first time You're with right. me? You may be you may be dead on there. I remember when you originally brought me on, it was uh, a very different network and you were excited to just keep writing. You were like, with you on, I can podcast less. <laughs> and so yeah, this yeah, might be the that. first official T-Formation conversation visit. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned I was with V Sporto and then we kind of, I moved my show to, to, our, to our network here. And then I, I found you, you were, you, were, you were just in the fan post section doing your own thing. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's got his, you know, he's got his, his, his stuff together. He's got his own show. He's got his own brand. So we brought you aboard. <laughs> and, and, and at that point, I kind of stepped back a little bit. And then of course we added the other great shows. And, but but I, I, I am going to look to get back to this year with, with, with what's going on with the Bears. People care about your voice. It's a good one to have. I'm serious, man. Like for, for every person like me, that's like the slightly younger fan skews towards all these fancy schmancy numbers and watching the film. I mean, I'm just one opinion. 
Anybody who takes my opinion as fact is going to miss something because I am nowhere near perfect. So having your voice, veteran Bears coverage veteran. guy, is so valuable. Seriously. Well, 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 I appreciate it. That's just a nice way to say that I'm getting old, but but I'll take it. I'll take I'll take the compliment. Hey, so we speaking need, of camp, we need that historical we, we perspective. Do. We do. You and sure. Jeff bring it really well when Jack isn't doing it, and yeah. obviously Jack's a different kind of animal when it comes to Bears history. Yeah, he's he's on a whole other level. He he knows Chicago sports like no other so so but speaking of camp are you going to camp this year at all i wish i could with the camp ticketing process as um let's call it random as yeah. it is it made it really hard to consider taking work off when camps normally freer i mean obviously we had covid last year and hopefully we don't have to deal with this forever this camp ticketing system because it makes somebody who's native to dallas uh, it puts a lot more strain on me if i was going to try to travel up i'd rather get a whole weekend if i can yeah. I, I, what I did is I, I applied for like 10, 11 different days. I figured, you know, it's, it's far enough out where if I did get picked, I would be able to take at least the one day off work. Cause they're only giving you one day to pick here. So plus, I mean, for me, I, I love bourbon. A. It was fun, but, but I live like 20 minutes from like four. So, so for me personally, on first level, I'm, I'm okay with the move. Um, I just hope I do get picked for tickets at least once a year. That kind of makes it worth it. I feel like, so for me, as somebody who, again, traveled to Bourbon A, it was fun when I was there. I mean, not only was it fun, obviously, meeting all the Windy City Gridiron people, we all, like, shacked up together for a little while, which was great. Um, but it was kind of funny where suddenly I had to go to Chicago, and it was an hour-long drive. I mean, it really started to set in that, like, Bourbon A is a suburb of Chicago. It's not a part of Chicago. Yeah, it's, it's and so. Seeing the, the Bears get a little closer to Hallis Hall is, it's nice. I mean, it means nothing to me, unfortunately, but it's nice it, based on how it sounds. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice area. Uh, the, it sucks that they're limiting, you know, fan people, the fans, the number they're letting in there, I think it's, you know, between 500 and 1,000. Who knows? And, and I got a feeling that they're, I got a feeling it's not as quite as random as they think it is. So so maybe if, if I do slip a few videos in into the thing, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get it put on a ban list. Uh, but we'll see what happens here. But but anyway, you know, you know, let's let's jump in and talk about some of the recent moves the Bears have made. Uh, probably the biggest move this last week was the trade of Anthony Miller to the Houston Texans. Uh, they shipped off Miller plus a 2022 seventh round pick, and they're going to get a fifth round pick back in return. What went wrong with Miller's time in Chicago, in your opinion? So it's hard to tell because it seems like everything happened behind closed doors. I wish that this was like an Adam Shaheen story where he couldn't stay healthy or like a Kevin White story where when he could stay healthy, he wasn't playing well. I wish that it was a more standard one, but instead we got a guy who, if you're seeing what I saw on film, he was a dynamo against man coverages. He seemingly could get open against just about anybody, but on a 14 yard curl route, he'd run 16 yards and caught the Bears an interception he'd cost false starts he seemingly didn't know how to block correctly I know he had a couple of like blocking penalties especially his rookie and sophomore year and then he won a joking not so joking award for camp tardiness on most likely to be late to practice not to mention endured public criticism from his coaches I don't know the impression you're getting but with the how the Bears publicly shopped him coming into this offseason and then signed Marquise Goodwin and Demarius bird denier bird i'm gonna look that up dang it i, Demir, I screwed Demir. up his first name yeah, so okay. badly demir bird thank you uh, lester i can't help but wonder if he was gonna get cut 
Like uh, part yeah. of me wonders if Miller didn't make the, or if Miller didn't get traded, whether he was about to make the roster at all, which says a lot about what the coaches think of him. Are they correct? It's hard to know. It's not as if our offensive coaches have delivered great results over the last couple of years, but uh, we can't really say yay or nay if it's a whole bunch of behind closed doors issues, right? Yeah, I had a feeling with Miller, with him being on the trade block at least twice in the offseason. And, and from, from hearing what they what, what the press conference was today, I guess they've been shopping him, you know, pretty consistently this whole offseason. But I think with with it being out there publicly, with him knowing he was on the block, I, I, I think, you know, also this is his contract year. You know, I think he was going to come in on his best behavior, really, really buckle down and really, really try and prove himself worthy of that spot. And, and you know, it's. I liked him as, as, as a player for, for a certain aspect. You know, I think, like you said, some of the behind the scenes things that we'll never know about. Uh, do you think he'll thrive in Houston as their number three? Well, I don't know. Let me tell you a story. Okay. So I'm a Baylor fan. So at one point on our back on like our 2014 team back, back in the days of Art Bryles, who nobody talks about anymore inside of Waco, we had this safety named Ahmad Brooks, really talented guy actually ended up on the bears for a couple games at one point, but he was originally drafted by the Cowboys, I believe in the seventh round. And he became a legend in Waco because the night before he was supposed to sign his contract in Dallas, he was at the local dive bar in Waco getting drunk so he didn't show up to sign his contract the Cowboys promptly cut him because who does that and it taught me Lester that while it's great to think that in a contract year a player was absolutely going to show up on his best behavior and absolutely going to give everything because they were absolutely going to pursue as much money as they could some players are just gonna make the wrong choice and some, some players and, are just knuckleheads. It is what and, it is. And I don't know if Miller was one of those guys. Yeah. I would never suppose that. It just taught me a lot about how a lot of the common sense things that we who aren't on the football field and aren't in the meeting room assume players would or wouldn't do. Not all of them do. So I I don't know. I hate sounding like a Bears like trustee saying, oh, I'm just going to trust the coaches on this. But if they've been this public about criticism of his attendance, and I know that they are a we versus a me team. I mean, that stuff with Cody Park, he said a lot about the way that Nagy and his organization want the players to think. Miller may just not have been a fit. And I don't know who that falls on. Obviously, I wish it would have gone differently. But I do think if he got his head on straight, he could become a really really good player he certainly seems like he has the talent and some players don't even have that so it's not I, I don't know which direction the arrow is pointing because I guess we've got to hear about who he is at, in a Texas uniform because we're finally getting a picture of what it looked like in a Bears one yeah so I, I think most Bears fans were on board with the pick back in 2018 um, but but again I, I applaud Pace for for recognizing that it just wasn't working out you know, some, some, some GMs will hold on to the guy as, as long as possible because it was their pick. And I think this with, you know, the move had he made at this time. And, and I think, you know, from, from hearing Pace today at the press conference, you know, he, the way he talked about it was, you know, both parties are, are, are leaving on good terms. I mean, I think that's the best way to go. So, speaking of the terms, are you okay with the, with the, 
you know, uh, him and a seventh for a fifth. Is that, is that a good deal for you? <laughs> you know, I remember Lester, it was this time last year, everybody just wanted to argue and argue and argue about how big a deal losing a fourth round compensatory pick was in the Nick Foles trade. And I mean, it was, it was the bears third highest pick of the draft. If memory serves, well, they kind of got it back with the Anthony Miller trade here because the Houston Texans fifth round pick should be pretty doggone high. Yeah. Like it would not surprise me if they're going to be maybe five picks or less away from those compensatory picks in the fourth round. So they're not getting nothing out of this Miller trade. And I think getting, if they were especially considering cutting Miller, getting something for nothing is obviously way better than not. So yeah, hearing that it wasn't like a seventh for a sixth with Miller was a big win for me. And then especially when you add the part where it's the Texans in. Yeah. Cause they are going to be bad. Uh, the yep. Bears actually brought in, you know, three new faces at wide out this offseason. So so they they clearly weren't happy with the, what was going on in the, in, in the room there anyway. So but one of these guys is going to start on the pup list, as it was announced that uh, rookie wide out Daz Newsome, uh, along with veteran running back Tree Cohen are both unable to practice. Uh, so they're going to start the sidelines on, on that on the pup list, which just means that, you know, they can't practice. And they're not going to take up a roster spot. So at some point, you know, it, it could be tomorrow for all we know. I mean, at some point, you know, if they're activated, you know, they go back to the active roster. But if the pup list stay drags on through the season, you know, now you can keep them on. It's not going to take a spot. So, I mean, it's it shouldn't be that way because we we're just talking about a little bit with 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 the broken collarbone from Daz. You know, he should be back relatively soon. I would assume with Tariq Cohen, um, you know, he had a, a torn ACL uh, back in week three. You know, he should be back at some time. He did practice a little bit in the summer, but the last few few days of, of minicamp, they held him out, mostly for precautionary reasons. But but the, you look at those two guys in a pup list. With Cohen, obviously, he's a lock for the roster. But do you think the injury from Daz hurts his chances of making the roster? Daz is a fifth-round pick, right? He was Not fourth he round. was the sixth. Was he, he was, sixth? Yeah, they had all six this year. He was one of Thank the sixth. I think he'll be fine. Pace really loves his drafted guys. Like yeah. really loves his drafted guys. So with Riley Ridley still on the roster, Javon Wims is still on the roster. Javon Wims, obviously the originator of punching uh, the Saints cornerback <laughs> whose name I don't want to remember. He He's still there. He was a pace pick. I mean, there I, I tend to think the collarbone isn't going to hurt Daz's chances of making the roster. But just like with Cohen, I am always really hesitant with injury when expecting something out of a player. I know when I was younger, like sophomore year college, probably 20 years old, I, like a lot of fans used to be like, oh no, they said he'll be back in eight weeks. In eight weeks, he'll be a hundred percent. We'll see exactly who Daz is. And if I learned anything with Robert Quinn's drop foot last year, that's just not how it works. Yeah. I mean, granted, maybe Quinn just stunk. Maybe Quinn is not very good on non-artificial services, but I also am slowly starting to learn just how much pain a lot of these wide or like NFL players have to play through on a week to week basis. So when it comes to a knee injury for one of the smallest players in the league and a collarbone injury in a rookie season, I'm okay with both guys taking their time because while I love Cohen and I think he's electric, he needs to that knee to be working a hundred percent for him to really bring that electricity because the last thing, not to sound like a true meatball, the last thing that five six Tariq Cohen needs is to lose that little bit of speed that gets him lined up you know what I mean I think he's five eight come on is come he on. <laughs> I mean I don't know, probably he, he's short I mean to, to me they're all short so I'm not sure uh so <laughs> so 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 we're, we, we talk about the whiteouts a bit who wins the uh the, the whiteout number three spot this year it's it's gotta be it's gotta be Demir Bird 
right? Yeah, that's I mean, my guess. Bird comes over from the pack or from the Patriots, having put in a full season, is the functional wide receiver one, same way that Kendall Wright was in 2017. So <laughs> that's a it's horrible. Not, it's, that's a well, horrible it's not a name title, to remember. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> but it's it, it it's one of those where it's like here's a guy who's a wide receiver three, and he's being way over targeted compared to what he should be. But you know what? He also produced like 650 yards, and I think that that carries a lot of weight, especially after Goodwin opted out and has never been particularly consistent in a 49ers or Eagles uniform. I expect Goodwin to be healthy or helpful. I certainly am excited that he's a bear, but I feel like it's Bird's job to lose, though who knows we could get a training camp report tomorrow that Goodwin's the clear favorite or something after that big uh that big sexy touchdown catch he had in shorts back in OTAs <laughs> well that's funny because that that's all it took for Bears fans I mean when they, when the Bears fans saw that that was it you know he, he's the new he's the new fan fave veteran free agent pickup and everyone wants him to be the guy so we obviously know who the who the, who the top dog is is Robinson then we have Darnell Mooney what are your expectations for Mooney this year so a lot of people have taken that clip of uh, of Mooney beating beating quote unquote yeah, uh, yeah or Jalen Ramsey and they have turned Mooney into an 1100 yard receiver yeah. that's electric. He's going to be a mate. I think that Darnell Mooney is going to be a very good wide receiver too. I, I'm really excited about it too. Yeah. Guy's a fifth rounder. I mean, he's a, he's got great speed. Is he going to be Tyreek Hill? Probably not. But if he can just take advantage and get a little bit crisper in his routes, I could see a guy who catches 850, 900 yards in a healthy passing offense. Now, that's a big asterisk. The Bears have never had one of those. But in a passing offense that distributes, say, 44,000 yards or something like that, which is normal, right? I think I looked it up last year. 16 quarterbacks were on pace for for uh, 4,000 yards just in 2020 alone. It may have even been more than that. So 4,000 yards isn't abnormal. I know it is for Bears fans. Yeah. And if the Bears could produce rough between Andy Dalton and uh, Justin Fields about, I guess I got, we got out of 17th game, huh? So we're looking at closer to 4,400 yards. Then I think Mooney could easily be an 800, 900 yard receiver if he performs to his absolute highest of expectations. But you know, there's always a caveat somewhere. So even if he came back and just caught 600, 700 yards, I'm still going to be really happy with the sophomore, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if, if he's able to, to play like he did last year, you know, he'll, he'll have a few more catches because the ball should be a little, a, a little more on time. I mean, he, he, he was one of the guys who was really hurt by the, by the errant passes of Trubisky and Foles last year. Cause there was quite a few plays where just like, man, if, you know, he was there, you know, you know, game breaking plays. So I think he's a guy that, again, he, he's got the speed, you know, him, uh, bird Goodwin, you know, that speed's going to open a lot of things up for guys mm -hmm. underneath. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it should be a much more exciting offense as Bears fans watch this year. But, you know, a couple hours before I press record, the Bears actually signed a couple of receivers, uh, one of which a uh, former Cowboy, Juwan, I'm losing a name, Juwan Jones. I, I looked him up. He's oh. never, he, he has never made it in the NFL. He's been a practice squad uh, uh, IR guy his whole career. But the other guy they got is kind of interesting. Is It's Justin Hardy, former fourth-round pick of the Falcons. You know, this is the guy that I think may – he may have a shot to make the roster. He has a, a little bit of punt return experience, uh, but he also has quite a bit of special teams experience as well. So, you know, the bears have seemed to always have that last for wideouts is a guy that can specialize, you know, the third phase, uh, like guy like whims has done a little bit in the past. Josh Bellamy has done in the past, you know, they want that guy that can do that. So do you have any thoughts on, uh, on, on why they brought in Hardy? Is, is, is that the reason? 
So John Vay Johnson. That's the guy. The guy you're thinking of looking at the release now, just so we get it right. Yeah. Hardy's exactly the kind of guy. I think you nailed it where they're bringing him in for special teams help and they kind of need it. I mean, I tend to doubt that they're going to have Daz Newsom do anything crazy in the third phase. Anthony Miller is a perfect example of what I would expect at a Newsom, which is help where he can, especially on the, let's call it the quote unquote offensive end of the special teams, but he's not quite athletic enough to play that defensive end as a punk gunner and so on and so forth. But with Cordero Patterson out, they still need those positions filled. So going and finding somebody who's going to be your fifth or sixth receiver and a special teams ace, think Rasheed Davis, who like made the pick for the bears just a little while ago, just because he was such a fan favorite. I think the bears are looking for that. Hardy seems like the more realistic option in that phase, but I would have to much more tape to know. Uh, If it comes down to Javon Wims or Riley Ridley, which one of those guys you keep on the roster? (sighs) Wims. Nobody's going to like it, but Wims is bigger. Wims can get open just as easily because Riley Ridley hasn't shown me that he does anything particularly special in the world of man coverage. He tends to get open on dig routes, which look, not anyone can get open on a dig route, but it's one of the easier concepts because it just involves time and selling the corner on like a deeper route. But Wims's big thing is that they consider him a blocking receiver and the bears until they show somebody else that can block don't really have another option. So on toss crack kinds of things, pitch outs, anything that they can faint as we're going to have this guy block here. Wims has been the guy to do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, in meeting rooms trying to figure out how to find somebody else so they can cut whims either that or whims sent him a lot of gift baskets after what he did in that saints game but if you're asking me between ridley and whims i would guess whims hoping that draft position doesn't really make that big a difference yeah i was kind of thinking the same thing but you know for me it was the reason is for the third phase ability you know but with now they have a guy like hardy in the mix you know, maybe they can do some whims because like I said, yes, he's on the field because he's a, a decent run blocker. I mean, that's kind of why he's been around. But to me, that's just not enough. I mean, he has to show something. I mean, you know, the punch was ridiculous. The the, the drop in the playoff game was just like, you know, so high profile, stupid. So bad. And it's just like, you know what I, I and then but, you know, with, with the Bears, I mean, you know, they, they made a point to bring in a lot of guys. So I, I, I think both guys could be gone. You know, we'll see what happens here, but let's go back to three Cohen a little bit. You know, he's, he's the other guy in the pup list. You know, if he's out for a while in camp, who benefits most from the extra reps in practice? You got to think it's Khalil Herbert, right? I mean, I'm, and I'm not just trying talking stature because I know Herbert's not the biggest guy in the world, but more that Herbert was going to be the fourth running back in line for touches, assuming that Cohen played a true running back role, which honestly, that's a massive question mark in and of itself. Yeah. But assuming that he was, you were going to have David Montgomery with Damian Williams clearly backing him up, but they've always seen their scat or joker back position as a different position than the true halfback, like the feature back, if you will. And I think Herbert fits that a little bit better. Now, look, I love the fact that Herbert is a true outside zone runner. So this could just be my, my excitement talking because I see him as more your new, your Neo standard NFL back that is, isn't a he doesn't look like a feature back he doesn't walk like a feature back but he's quick he gets through the hole and he gets 11 yards instead of six with the jordan howard dave montgomery like heavy hitter bruiser back types of or types of guys but we'll see nobody's got the elusiveness that cohen does it's rare in the first place when you find a halfback that can move like that so 
it could be that bird benefits because maybe Cohen was going to play a slot role. It's hard to know because with the offense in transition, again, Cohen's one of the more versatile players, almost versatile to a fault. So I'm going to guess he was a running back and say that Herbert probably gets more reps in practice. That makes sense. Yeah, that was a guy I was thinking as well, just because of, of what's going on. He's a, he's brand new to the offense. You know, he'll need a few extra reps here and there. And, and I, I do have him as a lock. I just think that, you know, what he brings, you know, plus, you know, he, he's a guy that has played special teams. He can return kicks. I think he brings you a little bit more uh, than a guy like Ryan Nall has in the years past. So if he's going to be your fourth guy, you know, play special teams. Yes. But, you know, if we need you on offense, you know, we need you to run the ball. And that's Nall. Uh, I like him. I rooted for him, but, but he just never was that guy. Yeah, Noel's the kind of guy that I feel like was on the roster because they didn't have anybody else. And yeah. the trouble is, is that he's not especially powerful when he runs. Like, he's not your tight end that's going to truck somebody and keep going. But he's also not super fast either, and he takes a little while to get going. I feel like somebody like Herbert fits their mold a little bit better for what they want. And hey, the I know we, are, we were talking about the press conference, and we'll talk a little more about it later. Matt Nagy talked about how he put Justin Fields as the number two quarterback instead of the number three quarterback for reps and reps alone. Yeah. So if that's the way they do their depth chart, then I'm I'm never going to be excited that Cohen's ACL is taking longer than I would have anticipated, but maybe this gives Khalil Herbert those extra touches that he needs to be a factor in this 2021 season. Hard to tell, but I know I'm excited about any rookie running back that the bears draft because that's the one position in the NFL. You can actually expect a rookie to do something, you know? Yeah. I mean, as long as he knows his pass pro, rookie running back should play quite early in the league. And, and I want to talk about, uh, real quick about, about a guy like William. You mentioned uh, him, free agent pickup from the Chiefs. You know, I'm excited to see what he can do in the offense. Uh, honestly, that's if Matt Nagy actually plays him because, you know, there's a lot of talk about, about you know, sharing some of the work at tailback, you know, with Nagy and, and what they want to do here. But the last legitimate backup they had, Mike Davis, they wouldn't play him. I have no idea why, because last year with the Panthers, he had 600 yard uh, rushing 59 catches. You know, he proved and he shows, and he has shown in his career that he's a viable option, but for some reason he couldn't get on the field with the bears. So do you think Damian Williams can get some actual meaningful playing time for the bears this year? Well, I'm going to answer this question right back up your alley, Lester. That's all <laughs> up to the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. The impression that I've gotten in 2019 and 2020. So the consistent factor between those two is that the running game was putrid. I mean, it was just really bad. And the offensive line rarely opened up holes. I know things opened up against Houston, who had a terrible defensive line, and Jacksonville, who had a terrible defensive line, and Detroit, but one of the worst defensive lines in football. Remember, the Bears started off week one with, I believe, next-gen stats best best expected yards per carry based on line yardage in football. So the first three weeks in the run game were really good. Mm -hmm. That's what happens when you play Detroit, New York, and the Falcons, isn't it? Uh, it helps. It helped that Mitch was a dual threat guy, but I digress. Point is, is that I got the impression in that season that the Bears want Montgomery to get humming so that they can put in their second back, but they see them that way, right? And yeah. if Montgomery never gets off the ground, you leave Montgomery in so that he can get off the ground or they pivot to Cohen. They want that Mike Davis role, in this case, Damian Williams, role to be the guy who spells the running back who's tired from running so much and the bears got so few snaps in 2019 2020 because of three and outs yeah. that or, or being down that they just didn't need him 
that was the impression I got anyways. Like it wasn't Davis's fault, but whenever he did go in, a lot of times something would randomly go wrong. And he was kind of reminds me of, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Somebody we signed from the Vikings. That was just a bad news bear that happens here and there. Davis was one of those. I'm hopeful Williams gets touches because if he does, the bears are doing well. That's how I see it. That makes sense. You know, staying with the offense a little bit. That's a tight end group. Uh, They added free agent Jesse James and, and the bears gave him a one-year deal worth worth 2.15 million. He has 1.65 guaranteed. And they gave Jesse James three void years to kind of keep his cap hit down. So, so he's a roster lock as the backup Y for yep. sure. But who does Jesse James now push off the roster if he's going to be a guy that makes it? So I had to pull up the Bears roster because the big meme around Chicago has been tight ends and how many yeah. of them they have on the roster. I didn't even realize that we signed a guy named Scooter Harrington, but we did. That's undrafted I think free agent out of Stanford, a big mm-hmm. stiff blocking guy. Yep. So the bears are obviously looking for competition at that Y spot. I have no idea what they envision Cole Komet as. I think they think he's the U that's just the, the impression I get, but at the same time, if they thought he was the U I would have expected them to cut Jimmy Graham, which they did not do. So they're either forcing a log jam. Think Komet's behind it is development, or they see him as a Y either way. The tight end position is probably the one that I'm, I'm both most worried about and both disappointed in on this roster. Even so, I think that the answer to your question is JP Holtz. Holtz has been the blocking guy for quite some time that's sort of there to block. And Jesse James seems like a better blocking option that can catch a ball or two also. I think like Demetrius Harris, but hopefully he actually does what he's supposed to do over time. I know I was surprised to see that Jesse James is a lot younger than I thought he was. He's like 28 years old at this yeah. point, only seven years in the league. Whereas I told myself that he was a Heath Miller, like that had just been around there forever from back it's in the his name, Pittsburgh Jesse days. James. It sounds really old school, you know? Mm-hmm. And because I still remember him, he had like some bobble or other in a Pittsburgh game a while ago. They got a ton of attention because of the old catch rule where I think he caught it and he went to the ground and then the ball moved and the, the, Steelers lost a game or something over it. Uh, that was before they changed it again. But so I think it's probably JP Holtz who yeah. did not have a great season last year. Yeah. I know he'd given us a little bit of promise in 2019 in a really dark season otherwise, but here in 2021, it wouldn't surprise me if they want the real thing in Jesse James, as opposed to a Holtz who has kind of shown us what he is. I, I like Holtz. Holtz to me is a perfect last head end of the roster because he can play, you know, in line, he can play H back. He, he, he plays in the specials. So, you know, I, I like him in that aspect, but again, yeah, you mentioned Jesse James coming in here. Um, and then you mentioned Komet, you know, I think Komet's a guy that the bears, he, he will be the starting Y, but, but I do, like you said, I think the bears envision him long-term, you know, at some point be, being able to play the, the move tight end role. Let's just say that's not Komet this year. Who backs up Jimmy Graham at the Y or at, at, at the U this season? You know, for a little while there, I was going to say, no, yeah, he's still here. Jesper Horstead. Jesper, yeah, he's still like, around. It, it would probably be Komet, realistically. They would probably slide Komet over and bring in Jesse James as a starting tight end. If Jimmy Graham went down, which, hey, as players get older, it's always possible. It wouldn't surprise me if that would be the move, get it, uh, that the Bears would make as they slide Cole Komet into that move tight end position, bring Jesse James established tight end into the true Y spot. It, it makes sense to me that Cole, Cole could play both roles, but I kind of get the impression they like Jesper Horstead. And Hey, I haven't seen enough to make some big assertion or not. I'm heavily biased against 
UDFAs because I know that they went UDFA for a reason and I'm always trying to look for that reason. But Jesper moves a lot better than your standard stiff tight end. He's a little bit more Burton, for for instance, than he is Jesse James or Cole Kmet. And I think that's valuable on a roster, whereas J.P. Holtz, for instance, he moves like Jesse James, but he doesn't block as well as Jesse James, which is why I would see him in direct competition. A guy like Horst that I'm always rooting. I've always liked those guys that, that are undrafted free agents and they're changing positions. I like I like watching how their how, how their trajectory in, in the NFL works. Mm-hmm. A guy like Horstead, it probably is never going to work out, but he's still a fun story to kind of keep an eye on. So 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 far, all we've talked about is offense. So so let me give you a quick token question about a defense. Eddie Goldman, he's back. He's back in the building. It's official. How big of an impact is Eddie Goldman going to make this year? Bam. I've got to think he'll make a pretty big one. The Bears basically went from playing a two-gap scheme with Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks. Like, let's remember, one of the biggest things that made the 2018 defense the 2018 defense was that Vic Fangio could rely on Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks to stop the opponent's run game by themselves. Leonard Floyd... Leonard Floyd would seal the edge. Khalil Mack would seal the other one. And any of the other gaps, the A gap, the B gap, like they had them all. And with just Hicks, they couldn't do that. They tried to, but Bilal Nichols was not made to play Eddie Goldman's position. And when you look at the two guys and their difference in size, I, I kind of think you can see why. But the Bears started to go to a more one gap position with Hicks occasionally just playing one gap, occasionally playing two gaps. It was it was a little messy, but you know what? By the end of the season, they were able to stop the run just fine. With Eddie Goldman back, I think that this gives the Bears a lot of insurance because the fact that Hicks stayed healthy all last year was a miracle in and of itself. Not that Hicks is some injury played guy, but I I think you know as well as I do, Lester, that whenever you hinge your defense on one player, it's always that guy who ends up in the wrong tackle at the wrong place and is suddenly out. So the Bears getting Goldman back, it's got to help their run defense. I think it helps Blaw Nichols because he can focus on playing more your standard 3-4 defensive end instead of playing a pseudo nose tackle role. And hopefully that allows the Bears to sit in nickel and stop the pass because in a pass-heavy league with their schedule, they will need it. I mean, they're going to play a lot of nickel this year. I think Goldman, like you said, you know, he, he's elite at what he does. I mean, he, he's a damn good guy. You know, he, he plays those two gaps. You know, he's just, you know, he's just a, a big, strong dude. And, and that's, you know, he brings a little bit of that nasty to the team too. Uh, so, so we, we, we kind of talked a little bit earlier, the, the, the press conference today, Matt Nagy, uh, Ryan Pace, both talked. And, and honestly, the highlight of what these guys had to say was their tone about Justin Fields and, they didn't actually say he's he's still the QB two. I mean that didn't actually happen. I mean they kind of alluded to that. The window is slightly cracked. Is is that the same take that you had? I yeah. I mean, as I was listening to the presser, because I I'd, I'd gotten some inclination beforehand. And obviously, considering the way the Bears stream their presser and then they put it up afterwards, and last kind of hard yeah. to follow the stream. Yeah, exactly. It could be hard to follow. But so I as I listened to it. Nagy opens up talking about how their mantra, their motto is competition. He talks about how Justin Fields did everything they could have possibly asked him to. They talked about how they want that preseason to be just rife with competition. And I think he almost was about to say at all positions, but then knew exactly what he'd be putting his foot in. But way more, way more than Andy Dalton is our starter off season. Did I get the impression that they may be moving towards Justin Fields and you know what, Lester, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. the Bears didn't stand to gain anything from coming out in the middle of May and saying, yeah, Justin's a starter. 
we signed Andy Dalton thinking there's no way this guy falls. So Justin starting, that puts a ton of unnecessary pressure on the kid that whether you think he'd thrive in it or not, he just doesn't need it. It's just no. not necessary. But if he shows up and he's got command of a huddle and he walks like an NFL quarterback and he talks like an NFL quarterback, then dadgummit, there's no reason not to put him in. And I mean, come on, Lester. It's a story we've seen a million times, right? Where they wait right before that first preseason game or maybe right after one of the others. And they say, you know, Justin's just really been impressing us in practice. We're thinking we're going to play him week one and just start to lay those seeds to where when he suddenly shows up in week one, everybody's mind is blown. But maybe it was a decision that was made months ago and we're just hearing about it. You know, it, it seems like Justin Fields is the kind of guy that if the Bears would have said he's the guy from day one, I think I think Justin Fields can appreciate the fact that he has to fight for this and he has to earn it. I think there's part of him, the competitor in him. I think he wants to to win that job. And I think the, the way the Bears quarterback room is now with Dalton and with Foles and with Fields, I mean, these guys have a pretty good bond. I mean, they've all talked about it. The coaches have talked about it. I just think it's a, it's a good situation right now for him to learn in. And, and when the time is right, they're going to pull the trigger. And come on, Lester, let's call it like it is. We've been through this. Every staff likes to handle their rookies differently. And the Bears had Jalen Johnson battle Kevin Tolliver for that starting cornerback position next to Kyle Fuller before they cut the guy he was competing uh, Tolliver, with. Tolliver, yeah, yeah. I mean, and we we saw David Montgomery scrap and claw to earn that starting running back position with Mike Davis on the roster at the time after they traded up for him. I mean, we are right now, later in that presser they talked about how elijah wilkinson is gonna battle <laughs> tevin jenkins for the starting left tackle position that this is how the bears like to do it they like to let their rookies whether they mean it or not fight for that starting role earn that starting spot and i don't know if one way is better than another truth be told i mean talent is talent right the yeah. whether you gifted jalen johnson the job or not i think he was probably going to play pretty well in a professional football league but this is how the Bears do it. This has been their standard practice. So the fact that this is Fields actually raises doubt about whether they mean it when they say he's the QB2 for the whole season because it, this is how they've brought their rookies along at all their other positions. Why would it change at quarterback? And that just takes what should be a hard line and turns it into a question mark. And I think Bears fans like it better that way anyways. If Elijah Wilkinson beats out Tevin Jenkins, Battle, uh, oh my god that is gonna be the, the worst left tackle in the nfl if that happens and i know bears fans think charles leno was that guy if elijah wilkinson is starting a left tackle that is the worst left tackle in the nfl right there i think the part about tevin jenkins that scares me while we're on the topic is just that all the tape i've seen of is him at right tackle and yes i know he was working at left tackle beforehand and it's always weird because then some people want to talk about his freshman and sophomore tape and lester i don't know where you stand on this to me who you are as a junior is wholly different from who you are as a senior most of the time when you're like a 21 to 22 year old kid so i don't need to hear how he was as a 19 and a 20 year old because he's a very different player now but I just, I just want to see him work at left tackle. Like I really want to see him work at left tackle, like in a good way, yeah. because that's a position that the bears need help at. If like, if not Tevin Jenkins, who, because with the cut of Charles Leno, that's kind of their only choice. Cause I don't think Elijah Wilkinson is going to be some kind of a net positive Never. at, uh, at the spot. If Tevin Jenkins can't go. 
no, it's going to be terrible. So besides the obvious Justin Fields, you know, when's he going to start stories? It's going to happen. What's your favorite camp storyline to follow this this year? Nickelback battle, Nickelback battle. It's got, or for me, it is anyways. And part of that's because I'm really excited about the bears edition of Thomas Graham. I think he looks like a fairly corner. Well, I just like good zone corners. The bears have completely sold me on zone and pattern match zone schemes. And Graham is your standard guy who didn't test well enough to catch a ton of people's eyes, but he is very natural in his own fit. And that makes me think that at a too high scheme where the nickel corner is almost always protected he's got to be more of a flat defender and i think this fits graham well also the main reason that i'm excited about it isn't just graham but because the bears um lester who is the nickelback like it's probably not kendall <laughs> Vildor. they like him at outside corner yeah so it's duke shelley nah. like if if not graham they don't really have one so that position in general is go. It's one of the most wide open that I've seen all the others. I feel like we could pencil and starters probably get them mostly right, you know, but nickel corner, you just said the bears are going to play a nickel most of the time. So who is that other corner? That's what I want to know. The, the what about nickel you back? The nickel back these days, that is the glorified starter. I mean, he plays 60% of the time, at least, you know, in the NFL, that's just how it is. But for me, I'm going to stay on defense too. For me, it's, it's, I can't wait to see how the defense gels under, under Sean Desai, you know, everything I've read about the guy, you know, every time he speaks, you know, all the praise he's received from his players, from, from, from the coaches, you know, guys he's played with before that's, you know, they all love this guy. I mean, so I'm just pulling for this guy to have a good, have, have a good year, you know, and then we're talking about the, the Vic Fangio scheme going back to some of that, you know, there's a great Twitter thread out there from Brandon Robinson, where he actually breaks down the Vic Fangio scheme and what it is. I think you guys should go find that for sure. And I just think it'd be a great story. You know, first time, first time coordinator, uh, the first ever coordinator from, from, from India, you know, his coaching career survived the Mark Tressman years for crying out loud. So, I mean, this guy, if he can get it done, I think it's great for Chicago. Plus Chicago loves their defense. So if he gets it done, I think he may be on that fast track to a head coaching gig down the road. So for the bears fans that haven't heard, because I so I follow a lot of different people on Twitter that I really respect. And one of them recently has been a guy named Coach Vass. I yes. can't remember his first name, but he's a really, really, really interesting guy to follow. One of the people at the cutting edge of football, just like Dave Aranda, Nick Saban, and so many others that in college are having to stop these wild, exotic offenses that are coming out. And they've got to find a way to stop them. And a lot of that, interestingly enough, doesn't bubble up to the NFL most of the time. The NFL can actually be pretty traditional in its offense, and that's why you see guys like Chuck Pagano, who, if you remember, was really exotic in the way that he deployed coverages, came out and deployed a lot of cover one and cover three variants. There's nothing weird about that. That's the way defense is done in the NFL most of the time. But Sean Desai, in Vass's words, is being viewed in the inner circle of the NFL as a true up-and-comer. I thought this guy was going to go out and eat a bullet for the Bears. With Kyle Fuller gone and what I thought was going to be or Akeem Hicks gone and a, a draft that was going to be focused on offense, I thought they were setting Desai up to be a fall guy. But if I'm, I, I it's sounding like that inclination is, couldn't be more off. They really believe in him. And if he brings um, that more too deep style that Vic Fangio popularized and Brandon Staley exploded with this last year in Los Angeles, I think it's going to bring Eddie Jackson back to life. I think it's going to feature Roquan Smith in a really big way. I think if the coverage unit can get to get it together, that Khalil Mack can come back online. This could actually mean legitimately hopeful things like not just training camp fervor, but good things for a bears defense that we desperately need to not suck. If Justin Fields is in the game, you know what I mean? 
you mentioned Coach Vass, and, and I think he did a podcast recently with uh, the guys that run the Mile High uh, SB Nation site. And the, and the podcast is all about the Vic Fangio defense. So if, if I can find it on Twitter, I'll make sure I retweet it out there. But but I listen to parts of that, and it's it's some good stuff because, I mean, the, the Vic Fangio defense, this not, the, the Sean Desai D is not going to be exactly the same thing, but that's where Bones are in. It's Bones is, is in that Vic Fangio scheme, and I'm excited to see what happens here. It's, it's just like how Matt Nagy is not going to run exactly the same offense yep. as Andy Reid, but both guys are going to try to put playmakers in space. That's like the foundation of the Reid West Coast offenses. Let's take that player, put him in space. And exactly. in that same way, Desai's bones are all Fangio's bones. And for Bears fans that like really good defenses and fondly remember 20 or 2018, that's got to be good news because definitely – it, I think personally from, and I don't know what you think, but I think scheme fit matters more on defense than it does on offense. I think that a really talented offensive lineman can figure his way out in his own blocking scheme compared to a power blocking scheme. But let's take one of my favorite players on the Bears defense, Eddie Jackson. He needs a scheme that compliments him. Yeah, he needs sure. a scheme that lets him anticipate and attack the play rather than playing man coverage. Cause while he's, he's good in man coverage he's not 16 million dollars good in man coverage very few players are most of them play corner so the fact that the bears are shifting more towards something that benefits him i think benefits the whole rest of the defense i'm stoked you know uh let's let's take a quick break to hear some words from from our sponsors here i forgot to do it earlier so let's take a quick break now before we wrap things up here in a bit with kizik hands free shoes motion sounds something like this Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. And we are back. I am joined by Robert Schmitz. WCG's very own. Uh, I'm, I'm real glad to have him here talking some bears, talking some training camp. And, uh, you know, we've kind of gone through most of the show already, but let's, let's kind of wrap things up with some quick rapid fire quickies here. Uh, Robert, which, which offensive player do you think is going to bounce back this season? Bounce back player for this season. You know, it's funny because there aren't that many that dipped super hard, probably Cohen. Cohen went from a 700 yard receiver and a 450 yard rusher in 2018 to a 2019 season that saw him literally one of the least efficient players in football with most defensive coordinators keying on him. Aikman told us that in the week eight New Orleans game, he tears his ACL before he does anything relevant in 2020 to change opinion. I feel like on the offensive end of the ball, there's not enough players that trade truly played poorly. Maybe you could say James Daniels. Maybe you think it's Cole Komet, but that might be more of a breakout than a bounce back so i i feel like it's cohen but maybe that's just because i'm being too specific with the question you know real quick on cohen do you see do you we talked about earlier do you see him playing more slot or i mean like for me i've always liked terry cohen he's a tailback i've always liked him playing running back because then when he's matched up he's usually matched up against linebackers or safeties coming up you know, if he comes in and he's in your formation as a receiver, it allows, you know, defenses. Now they're going to match up nickels. They're going to match up corners and, and, you know, they can still do that. But I think if he comes in here and he's actually shown to be an effective running back, you have to treat him as such. If you, if he's coming in and he's just, just a wide out, you know, now he's running his routes against guys that are paid to stop receivers, not paid to stop guys that play running back, sometime receivers. Well, what about you? 
I think it all depends on how the defenses play him. I mean, this is like the the TLDR on what in the world changed between 2018 and 2019, where he was so efficient. One of the best NFL players per touch in football, if memory serves, to one of the worst, if not the worst, is that defenses started to just man him up with a corner in like they just added an extra nickelback instead of a linebacker because they knew that they could stop the bears run with their eyes closed that if the defensive line alone could stuff the run then sure let's just make sure we play cohen as a passer well at that point i'd put him in the slot like if if you play cohen with a defensive back then either i'm going to and i can't get my run game off the ground at least then i'm going to put him in the slot where at least he's got a little bit more route flexibility because there's only so many things you can do out of the backfield on the other hand lester if you're going to give him a linebacker i want him in the backfield like i don't need him split out to the slot where at that point a linebacker generally knows a little bit more of what routes to expect because a halfback when they especially when they come out on that option route a lot of times they can go out they can go in or they can go up and if a linebacker guesses wrong or misplays it cohen's gonna toast them for i think he had what 200 yards maybe just 100 yards against the giants in 2018 like he can be a threat when he wants to his six million dollar contract reflects receiver value so i do think he'll be in the slot more than most tailbacks but i i don't know it really depends on what the bears want to do on offense this season and with the with the probably five different offensive identities that they've displayed in now three years, I have no idea what they've got cooking over there. You know, for me, I want to see Cohen. If he does play some receiver, then, then why can't Cohen be the guy that gets those jet sweeps? Why can't Cohen be the guy that gets those end arounds? I think that they're trying to be deceptive and give that to a, to a wide out. But if Cohen is that versatile kind of a player, why not put him on the wing and bring him on those jet sweeps. The wideouts, yes, you know, the, the, those guys always want to have the rock. But a guy like Cohen, he's used to going through the backfield. He's used to, you know, weaving through the line. He's used to going around the end. Why the hell can't they just put Cohen in that spot? Lester, have you ever told a joke that you that was subtle, like really subtle, and nobody got it, but you thought oh, it was yeah. obvious? Yeah, yeah. So – that's I think, Twitter in a nutshell right there. Well, I think Matt Nagy <laughs> at this point, like I don't know whether it's at this point in his career, but especially early in his career, I think he expected every defense that he faced to be so attentive to detail that, well, we can't do that because then they'll do this. And that means I'll do that. Think like Prince's Bride, right? That famous scene at the end with, well, if you do that, then I'll do that. And at some point, Matt Nagy just needs to do the smart thing. Because if you don't do the obvious, then nobody cares about the deception, if that makes sense. If you don't give Cohen the ball on the jet sweep, then nobody's going to play Cohen on the jet sweep. And so to your exact point, I think Matt Nagy would get in his own head. He would assume that the defense was going to overreact to one motion or another. And I think at some point you just let, you've talked about this all the time that you can't use a wide receiver, for instance, on an option because they will never take the inside lane. The wide receiver is going to go outside every single time and try to get to the sidelines. Cohen gives you a little bit more flexibility on stuff like that because he's a tailback. He's been hit by a linebacker plenty of times in his life, and he's not scared to get one more, right? Those quick little inside shovel passes, those should not go to Allen Robinson. Those should go to a guy like Tariq Cohen off the wing. I don't know. It's just, you know, like you said, sometimes the coaches, they, they make things harder than it should be. You know, if Cohen is truly the guy that you can move all around the offense, well, then let's do it. Let's get him his touches, you know, besides tailback. 
Let's get him some his touches while he's playing the wing. I just think it's a no-brainer, but you know, what do with, I know? With Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery and Damian Williams at running back and Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin at wide receiver, I would agree with you that the nicest thing about Cohen is that you don't need him in either room. So you can put him anywhere and defenses don't actually know what he's going to do. You know, in these last years, he's been a running back. He's had to be a running back because the bears didn't have a faster or like a fast running back on their, or in their pipeline. I'm hopeful that like you're saying, if they can use him as sort of a Darren Sproles, I know everybody wants to make the comparison of the other short guy that plays tailback and goes all over the place. But if he can be that Swiss army knife, I think that the bears could get some real value out of him. I mean, especially given how hard you'll see some defenses sell out to stop him. He could be somebody that you, you know, you use him as that obvious sleight of hand move on an offense but the bears can't really get to sleight of hand until they do the basics. Right. And <laughs> hopefully they can do that this season. Yeah. That was a nice, nice Terry Cohen tangent we had there, but going back to the original question, you know, mm-hmm. bounce back off as a player, you know, for me, I'm going to go with the guy you, you mentioned, you know, James Daniels. I, I just think James Daniels, you know, his, his college tape was phenomenal. He was really good. And yes, he was a center. And yes, he's playing right guard now. Yes. He was a left guard last year and he got hurt. And, you know, all indications are he's back healthy, uh, a, a torn peck. I looked it up. I mean, it's, 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 you know, you don't always come back all the way from it, but James Daniels is a young guy. I think he's only six months younger than Tevin Jenkins is, you know, cause James Daniels was drafted, I think at 20. So, so very we're talking young. about a very, a very young player, you know, his best football still ahead of him. And I thought he played pretty good last year at left guard. And, and the thing with a center, you know, you have to understand, you know, being a righty and a lefty because you're right in the middle of the line. So, so I have no concerns with him going now to a different position. Yes, it's, it's right guard, but I think he'll be fine. I think he'll help Sam Mustfer. I think he'll help Jermaine Effetti. I just think James Daniels, uh, honestly, the whole line, I'm excited to see what this line can do when they come together because they looked nice last year. And, and I think I'm higher on a guy like Daniels than some. I'm higher on a guy like right tackle Effetti than some. I just think that, you know, I was down on him going to right tackle. I was totally against it being the right tackle. But then I went back and watched his right tackle tape from last year. And yes, it looked different than what he, what he did when he was in Seattle. So maybe Juan Castillo did find that, that one technique and they just got his feet in the right place. And they had him, you know, his kick step wasn't as flat as it was. And he had the better angle. Maybe that's all it took again. He's another guy. He was drafted young. He's only think only 27. So, you know, I'm excited to see the whole old line as, as a unit, how they can gel. And Hey, as great as he is as a quarterback, Russell Wilson has a really bad habit of making his offensive line look bad just with the way that he plays and he takes the good with the bad, but it does mean that a guy like if who comes and plays with more normal quarterbacks, like Trubisky and Foles who aren't trying to do any of the stuff where they back out of the pocket that he maybe I, I actually need to go back and look, but game passes down, which sucks. Yeah. One thing that last year taught me Lester that talking about the offensive line is so interesting is the value of having a good teammate next to you that Charles Leno with Cody Whitehair next to him looks like a different tackle out of nowhere than having Rashad Coward next to him or somebody like that. And the fact Rashad that the Coward Bears... is a name that we shall no longer mention. As right. But the fact that the Bears <laughs> are going to put their two most veteran, if you will, good offensive linemen at the guard spots is yeah. kind of interesting because it means that Tevin Jenkins can lean on probably the best offensive lineman in on the Bears roster, Cody Whitehair. Sam Mustafer has... He has 
less responsibility because he's got Daniels and white hair next to him to back him up in any double team scenario. And then if Fady, who granted, he's got plenty of experience. He probably doesn't need Daniels next to him can get picked up from there. I don't think Daniels will ever be the power lineman. I feel like there's a very, 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 very like firm difference, right? Between a lineman that can carry his water, a great lineman. Those two are different things. And I'm wondering whether Daniels is going to have that ability to move guys, but the bears need to start from square one and get to the point where they block everybody in front of them and don't let the blind get pushed backwards in the running game. And Daniels is certainly a step up over Alex bars who, Hey, nothing against the guy. He's a UDFA. I'm not coming for him, but Daniels is stronger is a stronger player than bars was at least. We're talking about guys that, that you like to root for. Bars is one of those guys, you know, he's, he's coming back, you know, he's, he's looking to get stronger. He's looking to get a, a, a bit better, just like his, his teammate at, at Indy uh, Mustafer. So, you know, and talking about guys getting stronger, I want to mention you had a really good podcast, uh, two, two podcasts ago, talking to Ross Reed about how guys can work out in the offseason. So if you guys have not heard that yet, make sure you scroll through it. It's on Robert's brand, his bear with me brand, check out that podcast for sure. And that takes us to the, my next question is, 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 same, same on offense, same on defense. You know, which is your defensive bounce back player in 2021? This feels like cheating. I'm going to say Khalil Mack. The other good answer here would be Robert Quinn because I'm hopeful that he's not going to be injured, but I'm not going to tie myself to that. I've already done it. Robert Quinn, I hope you do well, but right now I'm not putting my name on yours yet. But Khalil Mack feels like cheating because he had a great year last year. He, he dispensed of offensive linemen. It wasn't just the Bucks game, but teams were able to play around him well enough that his effect was really heavily mitigated over time. I'm hopeful that with whether it's the new scheme or even just luck of the draw, Lester, that if Khalil Mack returns with that same ferocity his sack numbers are going to spike and people are going to ask how did it happen and the answer is i don't know it just rolled around the right way uh and, but either way i'm expecting that to come back there are a lot of choices here i mean there are, he, yeah. it, basically everybody but roquan you could choose you could choose eddie goldman you could choose jayla johnson with his shoulder you could choose eddie jackson and get away with it like wh- who's yours there are a lot gonna, of options. I'm going to choose Eddie Jackson and, and get away with it. Because yeah. I think Jackson, I think, you know, he's like, he, we talked about earlier. He's a guy that, you know, the scheme definitely helps him. He was still really good the last couple of years with Chuck down column plays, but, but he seemed to really thrive playing more zone, letting his, his instincts take over. You know, I think he's, he's going to show, you know, he's more of that guy. And he was an all pro in that season with Vic. And I think that with Sean Desai kind of going to some of those schemes, you know, trying to, to work a little bit of that, I think the, the turnovers will pick up. And I think a guy like Eddie Jackson, he's really going to benefit from that. But you also really- mentioned Quinn. It was Quinn. Quinn is a guy that is healthy. He was hurt all last year. You know, who knows how much that affected him? Like you said, well, maybe, maybe it was the, the turf. Who knows? Just to but. throw it out there. I mean, we, we talked about it all last offseason. Robert Quinn's a speed rusher. He's yep. not a power rusher. He's a speed rusher who has one move, go around the outside. Yeah. And a couple different, obviously, hand technique, technique moves to get there. I don't know how much you know about drop foot. What is the only thing it does? It sucks the power out of your foot. And so you're telling me that you've got an edge rusher, like a speed rusher, namely, that doesn't have his first step? Well, you tell me, Lester, how big a deal is that? 
uh, he had a bit of a back injury this off season, which, you know, when you think about it could have been, you know, caused from the foot injury, just kind of, it, it changes your gait when you have a bad foot. So he's healthy now, you know, he is going to be ready to go for, for training camp. So, so again, a lot of guys in this defense could bounce back. And I think, you know, it's, it's all kind of predicated on what Sean Desai wants to do. So if that happens, I'm, I'm getting excited again for the Bears defense, <laughs> you know, it's every season. I, I remember like this season's schedule is still a nightmare. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers came back. He did Son. not retire. Uh, and so at this point, I think the best part, Lester, is I feel like in 2019, the expectations were, well, at least we're going to make the playoffs. So we got to <laughs> win a game. And yeah. that did not happen. Uh, so then in 2020, the question was like, okay, so I don't know. Do I even want the staff to like not get fired? I don't know if I care anymore. Man, last year was apathetic. I don't know if you felt like it, like I did, but whether the Bears won or lost, it was like, unless Nick Foles like wins a Super Bowl or does something amazing, this year's just gonna, this year's gonna be tough. And it was tough enough with COVID. This year, if they go six and 10 or six and 11 and Justin Fields looks great, I don't care. I'm good with if, it. Yeah. <laughs> if they win nine games and Justin Fields looks good, I'm stoked. I mean, like pretty much as long as fields or even the deep, nah, fields, fields has fields. to look good-ish yeah. uh, at least. He's got to give a little bit more than seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. I talked about this on Twitter fields. If he throws two touchdown passes, it's the first time a bears rookie has done so since 2005. That was Kyle Orton. And if he throws four touchdowns under four, so three and four, then Cade McNown back yeah. in 1999 was the last time that happened. Five, I did not look at. Like <laughs> five, I didn't look up, but it's been a while since the yeah. Bears had a rookie quarterback that performed and with a pass-heavy offense, hopefully. But <laughs> the point is, Lester, it, it feels like a good time to be excited. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But the Bears found a way to swindle the league out of Justin Fields, and we might as well enjoy it while we can, right? You know, every now and again, I just kind of find myself just, you know, I'm on Twitter, just kind of scrolling through, and, and I'll see a picture of Justin Fields, and I'll just, it'll hit me again. And the Bears got Justin Fields, you know. He may never be that guy, but right now, in this moment, as Bears fans, we have no reason not to be really friggin' excited. I mean, the way that I would say it is, look, I, it's always hard to tell whether a guy develops superstar tendencies, right? I think Justin Herbert's my favorite example because a whole bunch of people like PFF and Brett Coleman and so on and so forth all got skewered for doubting him. There were reasons to doubt him. Like yeah. they didn't all come to the same conclusion on accident. And what, at least what I'm seeing with Justin Fields is that he's accurate when the pocket doesn't even have to be crazy clean, but he's accurate when he's throwing from his base beyond 10 yards. And does that not sound like what the bears have just needed so badly? You and I can probably name at least 10 occasions where Anthony Miller or Darnell Mooney or Allen Robinson just got missed. Taylor Gabriel, another name that they just, the, the throw was there. They were open. They did not get hit. And if the bears could add that dimension to their offense, it forces the safeties to play five yards further back. And even if fields doesn't make off platform throws, even if fields is exclusively a runner, when the play breaks down, like he doesn't have to be incredible to reset the Bears' standard. And as long as he's good, the offense could get a lot healthier very quickly. And that's even before we factor in all average Andy, but like you're saying, I'm just starting to run away with excitement. <laughs> you know, you know, there, there's one stat that I always talk about with, with wideouts and, and, and guys that that's yak yards after catch. And, and it, it is associated with, with the pass catchers, but I've always looked at that. That's a quarterback stat because it's, it's up to the quarterback to put that ball in a place that his receiver 
can now run with it. And mm-hmm. we didn't see it as much as we should have the last few years. And, and I think if the ball is on time, which it should be, if the ball is in much better placement, which it should be, I think you may see, you know, guys like, like Mooney, uh, 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 Robinson commit. I think a guy like commit, you know, he, he's not the, he doesn't have, you know, four or five Travis Kelsey kind of speed, but he's a pretty good athlete. If you get him the ball on the move with, with some, some grass in front of him, he can, he can make some plays because he's a big, strong, powerful kid. I think that, you know, having the ball on time, I think the, the quarterback play is going to really, you know, boost those, those yak stat up for the bears. I hope I don't ruffle any feathers by saying this Lester, but a lot of the commit dialogue gets really weird because there's this name out there named Jason Witten, who I feel like was always pretty unathletic, but caught about a billion yards because Tony Romo was a good quarterback that could distribute to his wide receivers. And that meant that whenever the linebackers stepped a little bit too far back in their Tampa two, Jason Witten was there for a 10 to 12 yard gain where he'd catch the ball, thump into the linebacker and fall forward for a first down. It doesn't take tremendous athleticism to catch a 10 yard curl when the offense is looking somewhere else. And that's where I feel like the Trubisky era got saddest was that defenses on tape, at least you could see them just have no faith. Mitch could hit the long throw and Hey, credit to Mitch, his last deep attempt in Chicago, it went right through Wims's hands. Like <laughs> he, he put that on target. I have to call it where it is. Like his, his last one, 18% deep completion percentage, rough year overall, but the last one went well. It was sad to watch. I'm hopeful that with fields, because it won't be Dalton. Dalton's not that incredible going deep, but with fields, at least the bears could get a little bit more dangerous 10 plus. And if they can, who knows? I mean, I really don't know. Like I'm not saying who knows top eight offense, but I'm saying who knows the running game could suddenly come online. And with the running game coming online, suddenly West coast things could actually work. Maybe the bears will run a screen that gains positive yardage. Like it, it, there, there are a whole bunch of things that I feel like are all interconnected where KC could probably run a triple reverse and gain 15 yards yeah. because Travis Kelsey and, uh, and Tyree kill ran downfield and they can get away with whatever they want to. On the other hand, what is it? Uh, Houston, if Deshaun Watson's not playing, you could do anything. And that offensive head coordinator is getting fired. Like it, it all feels like it's a package deal, you know, like it's, it's rare. I feel like that the passing game isn't working at all, but also the running game is great. They feel like they start to blend together on a lot of these good teams. I mean, it is a quarterback driven league. He, he is the most important player in team sports, but at the end of the day, football is still about doing your one eleventh on the field. So, you know, that, that's, that's kind of what makes the game so beautiful, but you know, I got a few more questions here. I know we're getting really long Let's on time, it. you know? So, so, so each camp, there's always a fan favorite, right? We always overvalue this guy. Uh, think Tanner Gentry, uh, Alex bars a couple years ago. Uh, how about the Canadian sensation, Matthew Betts? Remember this guy, uh, Khalil Mack's little brother, Ladarius Mack. So, <laughs> so who's going to be the guy this year? that fans say he has to make the roster, although risk losing him on waivers. Who's that guy for you? Oh man. I don't know. Cause it's Daz. Like it, it would be Daz otherwise, but I think Daz is going to make the roster. I already see it on Twitter. The Waffle loves Daz yeah, Newsom. Yeah. They love Daz Newsom. Yeah. Daz Newsom had a very poor testing numbers and he's not that big and he's not great. He's not particularly fast for his weight. And man, does that mean if we love Daz Newsom? <laughs> so I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll be, you know, I, I want to pick somebody good like, uh, like Swanson. 
the I think his name's Eric Swanson. I could be completely wrong on that. The Who's UDFA the, edge rusher that they picked up. Um, but he's a good player. Like I Snowden. Have no idea who talks about. Snowden. Snowden. Is that who you're Snowden. talking about? That was it. Like I want to pick handsome. somebody that I, I don't know, but uh, I want to pick somebody that the fans are going to be like that guy because he's good. But normally they latch on to Daniel Braverman yeah. or like Tanner Gentry or uh, Ladarius Mack. Two Macs. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Maybe Thomas Ives makes a couple catches, gets people excited because he's a big guy that uh, can go up and get it in the fourth quarter of preseason. Plus, man, I don't know. plus, plus with a guy like Ives, he's working out with the speed coach that helped Montgomery. So maybe Thomas mm-hmm. Ives now is going to have that, you know, <laughs> he'll Ives be a full three guy. Yeah, the Ives <laughs> Ives is back. What are you seeing? Who are you seeing? Uh, I mean, preseason's going to be a lot of fun this year. I don't think we realized how much we missed it. You know, and then last year it wasn't there. We're like, you know, I want to see those young guys fighting for jobs. I want to see those those guys on the roster battling. You um, heard Nagy today, right? Not to yes, cut you off. Play his guys. He wants Na- to play his Matt guys. Matt Nagy straight up said, "Yeah, I mean, you know, at one point, like we started out aggressive, and then we got conservative, and he he did everything but say, I regret it. We're gonna play people. Yeah. So that I was mean, his plan last year too. You know, he did say a reason that, that yeah. all these games for the Bears are on national television. Yeah. Like there is nationwide excitement about watching the Bears yeah. on like the preseason, and I think we all know why." Yeah, Justin Fields. But for me, for this question, if it's for me, I think it's still going to be Khalil Mack, little brother. I think as long as he's here, you know, especially with preseason, he's going to flash at some point doing something. And they're going to be like, oh, we can't lose this guy. He has to stay here. And, and I'm rooting for him. I think it's a great story if it happens. But if he flashes against Titans third stringers, guys that will not be on, in the league at all. If he flashes in that game, I think fans are going to go nuts if he's cut. And I think he is going to be cut. But, Speaking but you know what? of somebody yeah. else that could build up a lot of momentum. I've talked about him enough. I'm going to mention him again. I remember, and I'm sure you do too, back in 2017, the preseason is where one of the lower depth chart running backs can make a lot of yeah. noise. People knew Tariq's Cohen name, Tariq Cohen's name before he blew up against Atlanta and before that crazy run he had against Pittsburgh in overtime a little while later because he was toting the ball for like six and a half yards of carry in the preseason. This could be Khalil Herbert's time to shine. If he doesn't, I will be legitimately worried about him. But so we'll see because if if he's got the zip, I think he does. Ryan Nall runs for a touchdown every year in the preseason. <laughs> and if Nall can do it, I feel like Herbert can too. With Herbert, I think, I think like I said, Nall, Nall has been like a preseason monster. So if monster, if, if, <laughs> like, like for that, for that, for that last game against the Titans, if Herbert doesn't get a lot of playing time that week, I think that kind of goes well with him being on the roster. Um, but, but I, I think that's a good pick though with a guy like Herbert, you know, he should be fun in the preseason. Cause I don't think we're going to see too much of Montgomery. I know the bears said they're going to play their starters a lot more, but honestly, a guy like Montgomery, he's really well established where who he is in the offense. He knows what he's doing. So I think, you know, they may scale him back a little bit, play more Herbert, play more Williams, kind of get Williams up speed because he he did opt out last year. So you want to get him going. But but again, man, preseason this year, I can't wait to see it. All primetime games. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and you know, mm-hmm. Robert, that is it. That is going to do it for this episode of T-Formation wow. Conversation. I want to thank <laughs> you so much uh, for jumping on the show help me out. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk again, you know, soon. Absolutely. I can't imagine we won't. We talk enough. We, we talk all the time. So, Hey, uh, that is a wrap. Like I said, everyone make sure you subscribe to this channel, wherever you're listening. Uh, so you never miss any of our other great shows like Bill Zimmerman's bears banter bears over beers with Jeff Brooks and EJ Snyder, Robert's solo show, of course, bear with me and his rule of three with Danny Meehan and Brandon Robinson. 
Follow Robert on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. Follow me on the Twitter at WiltfongJR. Make sure you follow the entire Windy City Gridiron account as well at WC Gridiron. And if you do the Facebook thing, we're there as well. You can find us. So uh, until, <laughs> un- until next come time. Come on, don't come uh, after our Facebook, Facebook audience like that. We love you guys. We do so. love our Facebook audience. Our <laughs> Facebook actually is verified. So that's that's a, that's a plus over yeah. there. It's, it's a verified account. Rare. And, you know, we do get a lot of interaction on Facebook. So, so just the whole general Facebook thing I'm down on. But as far as the sports part of it, let's go. Let's go Bears. Let's go Windy City. We're on Facebook. Uh, but until next time, bear down, my friends.